Welcome back to Below Average Gaming, where we are much more adequate than Cyberpunk on PS4. I'm with the definitely lot glitching Michael, and I'm the, you know, I don't clip through telemetry Josh. How's it going, man? <laughs> it, it's going pretty good. I, uh, I have the uh, luxury of not being the type of person who even wanted to play Cyberpunk, so this week's been great. I've had to, got to watch everyone else get super disappointed at the game they wanted being a bit of a disaster. I get the luxury of being smart and being like, this game got delayed 600 times. I'm not buying it on console. I'm going to buy it on PC like a smart person. And I'm actually just enjoying the game. But I understand that some of you poorers out there can't afford a PC. And I feel bad for you because the game's really sweet, but also CDPR can like go fuck themselves for not giving everyone a warning that the game was broken. So, you know... CDPR was like a company that had like God status reputation in the gaming industry like six months ago. And now they've fallen apart like my parents' marriage. Like, cyber, is Cyberpunk like the game that had has had the most effect on a company's reputation ever? Uh, probably. I think it might be. I can't think of a time recently that a AAA game got pulled from a store. Like, I'm trying to think. I can't think of a time that we've actually had that happen. So that's definitely out of the ordinary. You know, we've like, like even Valhalla didn't save. For the first three days, it was out on some people's Xboxes. The game wasn't able to you can save your game. And then other ones, the uh, cloud saving wasn't working. So if you had your console automatically saved to put everything in the cloud, it would save it, but you couldn't pull it down on your like a one console so like games like wouldn't save so so that like that's really bad and like i don't know if cyberpunk's issues are as bad as that because you can still play cyberpunk except i will admit it i've not played it on a base ps4 which everyone should be mad about the way that performs because if the game comes out on a console it should at least run we're not call of duty ghosts you know ghosts ran at 15 frames per second on launch and multiplayer on like PlayStation four and, and that, that that's about as bad as this. It's just, you know, honestly, them pulling the game makes me feel better than if it was still available. Like a lot of these other games were like, just like kept going. Even like Skyrim didn't run on PS three. Once you hit like level 20, cause there's too much stuff in the world and too much stuff in your game. And it took like five literal minutes to load the game. So, yeah, I think I, I, I think kind of the sentiment that I've seen is like for most people seem to think the PC release was ready and like the PC game is good, which like I'm from what I've seen, I'm kind of agreeing with and are just saying like you either can't release the game for old consoles or you have to delay the release again. Yeah, like I'm on I'm on a middling PC like my PC is fine. Like I have I have a six gig gra graphics card, which is the minimum requirements. They suggest you have at least a six gig card. And like it's running, I think if I didn't have an SSD, uh, this game might not have been, you know, a good idea to purchase yet. Like, I don't think if I had it on my SSD, that the game would actually run properly. With having a six gig card, which isn't like nothing. And I'm running on a low settings. And the funny thing is, actually, as of this morning, since they patched the game this morning at about five o'clock, I have actually had two crashes and I didn't have any before. The game's crashed twice since they patched it, <laughs> which I think is just something happened with that patch that's like screwy. So, but the game itself, 
like I've put in quite a bit into it now. I've got like 20 over 20 hours. I'm getting close to 30, actually. And I actually think the game is great so far, but that doesn't excuse the issues. But if you have a good PC and you want to play this game, I'm not going to tell you not to buy it. You should buy it, in my opinion. I think it's a great game. I think we should re reward the hard work that the people who made this game did, right? Like, fuck the company that, that put out the game, but the people in the company that didn't have to, like, make this decision made something really cool. I, like, care about characters in the game way more than in any game I've played in, like, a really, really, really long time. Like, the side quests are interesting. They're not go A to B, kill guy, come back, or go A, B, collect, and come back. But there's still some of those in the game because you have to. As much as people like to meme about fetch quests, if we didn't have fetch quests in games, games would suck. That are open-world RPGs. Believe it or not, you actually have to have fetch quests. It's just like how games work. You have to have some amount. Isn't isn't every quest kind of a fetch quest when you boil it down? Kind of when you boil it down, but this game has a few quests that don't feel like fetch quests even though like maybe they technically are but you know like and especially too because there's a lot of ways to approach stuff um if like dishonored and deus ex definitely had the same kind of feel of like you can approach a quest a couple different ways cyberpunk has done that in a way that i haven't felt since i played dishonored one and i think it actually does better than dishonored one did in that regard because you know, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything about this game or anything in case anybody does feel like playing it. But your your skills, like your attribute points for like um, intelligence or strength affect how well you can get into places. So like I have max strength in the game. Like I'm I am maxed out on strength. I am 20 out of 20. And I've had a few skill checks have come across where it's like you have to have 20 strength to rip this window off. But if you do, you skip an entire section of the game almost. And you don't have to sneak into this building. So far, I haven't been gated off from doing anything based on my skill. I've been gated off from doing stuff based on my power level, which I really like. Because the game doesn't have um, scaling leveling. It's just things are what they are. You run into some gang or whatever, and they're like 15 levels of power ahead of you. You can't do that. Doesn't matter how much strategy you have. They shoot you one time, you're dead. Which I actually really like because it feels like you're part of Night City. Night City isn't around you, which is like something we've talked about before with games. It definitely feels like you are just this mercenary guy in Night City wandering around doing these jobs. Not that you're the hero because you don't feel like a hero. And a lot of stuff goes wrong in that game. A lot of people, you know, have terrible things happen to them. And there's a lot of not happy Indians, which I really like. And a lot of games don't have the balls to have something like in sad which i really appreciate because you know not everything's always flowers and roses and sometimes there are good things i don't know i think i think the leveling system in cyberpunk is the best one out there right now just between like attributes the skills you pick within those attributes that have multiple trees plus the fact that cyberware where you actually augment your physical character is stupidly expensive but impactful like I got the Mantis Blades, which are in the trailer. And now I don't have to have a melee weapon anymore. There's no point. Because I spent $20,000 and now I just cut anyone's face off who pisses me off. And it's sweet to get rewarded that way. And the game's changed how I play. Like, there's also a double jump in the game. That's extremely expensive. Like, and you have to have certain stats in order to even be able to buy it. 
But double jump, as soon as I get it, is going to change the game because there's going to be rooftops and other places. So, you know, I couldn't get to before until I bought double jump. But if I buy double jump, I'm like, I can get up to this stupid place where I see something. And I don't know. I really like that. I think cyberpunk deserves criticism. But targeted at the people who released it and the way they released it, not the game itself and its quality. If you're playing it on like PC or next gen hardware. Yeah. And I think I think a big thing about that is the fact that it wasn't ready. And even beyond that, what they're trying to do, like the last open world game to that scale that we saw was what Skyrim or GTA five. Yeah, I, I think you should compare this game to GTA five. I think that's a fair comparison. And like the thing is, is from what I've seen, it looks like this game has a lot more to do in GTA five than GTA five. Sorry. Yeah. And not even to mention the fact that like all your graphical assets are going to be a little bit more because they're a little bit nicer looking and all that stuff. Like the game is just massive and trying to get it functioning on old gen, like now old gen hardware, PS4 and Xbox one is a tall order. And like when, when you look at, like when you compare Xbox One, PS4 to PS3 and uh, 360, they're not that like those consoles weren't that big of a step up. But PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X are. Yeah. And like that's the really hard thing is like the new consoles can run this game, but like old consoles can't. Yeah. Like, I literally told somebody at my work about it who bought it for their kid. And it was like, hey, like you might want to like, return this honestly yeah if you guys don't have the new xbox or playstation that you guys bought it for like you should probably return it now wait until february and then go get it when that when the february update's supposed to come out i'm like wait till the update's out then get it and that sucks because this feels like one of those rare times where there actually is a gap that's causing a lot of people not to be able to enjoy something at a console release, which I can't remember the last time we really had something like that significant where like something like Demon Souls or PlayStation 5, A, that game's already come out. And then B, we've had like 600 Souls like games. So like missing out on Demon Souls now, unless you're a big Demon Souls, you know, kind of player, like a big Souls born player. It's not that big of a deal. You can get to it later. There's a lot of other Souls games to play where with Cyberpunk. If you do not have next gen hardware or a very good PC, you're going to miss it, which, which which sucks because it's on those stupid consoles, which I really wish they would have just released like a PC beta release instead of this just gone. This is the PC beta release. Honestly, we want to get the game out there so we can get some money back into us and we'll release the console version later. But it's also Christmas, so I understand how corporate greed can make you want to release something next to Christmas so you can sell a bunch. And at least they're trying to refund people, but it's just this whole situation is ridiculous and it sucks because it's clouding out a game that I think is otherwise extremely good. Yeah. And like that from most people, what I've, what I've heard is like the game's like an eight to a 10 when you get past the bugs, like the game's really good when you get past the bugs, but the game just was not in a position to launch on the old consoles. And it's, honestly damaged CD project reds reputation a ton. Yeah. Like I'm not pre-ordering their next game, even though this game's running for me, I'm probably not going to, I'm going to be going to wait, even though like this game runs, it's just a matter of a principle with it, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. No, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, because it's it's hard because the game the game from what I've seen looks like it's a good game, and it's just it's kind of limited by the technical limitations of old consoles and trying to get it to run on such. Yeah, like there's no replacement for this game. Since I started playing it, there's nothing out there I can think of that is like this game that I can like play otherwise, which kind of sucks. Where like that's the difference to something like Demon Souls. There's other options for like that kind yeah. of genre, but for this well, like, game, man, there is nothing that matches this game for me. Yeah, and this the, like the thing with that is, it's just it's a genre that hasn't been done in like six years. Yeah, like right, like this is like the closest the closest comparison to this game. Is just GTA 5. Yeah. And like, I know that a ton of people love GTA 5, but it's how old is it at this point? Well, it came out on the PlayStation 3. Seven, eight years, nine years? Something like that, yeah. Like, it, it is like, old. That's an old game. So like, when you look at what it like what the game's doing, it's a genre that hasn't had a new big game in it. And it's taking use of new hardware. It just sucks that the PS4 and Xbox One can't keep up right now. Yeah, because the game is just if you took Deus Ex and GTA and punched them into each other, that's what the game feels like. But then you also get CD Projekt Red's reputation for side quests from Witcher. And it's it is a masterpiece of a thing that somebody didn't finish. You know, if it's, it's like if you hung a painting painting up in the gallery and the bottom half is missing and you're like, where's the bottom half of this painting? And they're like, oh, they're going to finish that later. We just wanted to hang it up now. And you sold tickets to go see this painting. And you're like, where's the other half of it? That's what it feels like. Someone I was watching did a video where it was, uh, if it was a board game. And so you, you, you buy a board game and then you open it up and it's like, this piece is missing. Oh yeah. We'll get that to you later. We'll, we'll, we'll send it to you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what it feels like. And it's like, that's the other thing we want to talk about is other games that have felt like this. Things that games that kind of missed a bit. And for me, this game is buggy on PC still. I'm not gonna pretend like it's not buggy. It's buggy. 100% it's buggy. I hadn't have any, any game breaking bugs until literally this update this morning. Other than that, I've had just had I've had silly stuff. I've had some audio not play. Which, to be honest, because the story is so interesting, the side quests are so good, audio cutting out halfway through a quest when you're talking to somebody for like a couple lines is actually really immersion breaking. More so than it would be if this game sucked. Like this game's just really good and the dialogue's incredible. So when the dialogue cuts out, I'm just like, man, I really wanted to actually hear that. <laughs> it's actually like this game's kind of good. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think for the most part, a lot of people are going to be understanding because games like this, like games like Cyberpunk, are going to have glitches. You yeah. don't get to build a game with like this huge open world that gets like this RPG element that doesn't have problems. Like that just exists. Like Skyrim and GTA, like as two examples of these kind of games, still have massive bugs to this day. Yeah. And like there's just there, there's a threshold. Yeah. For sure. And the game doesn't have loading screens, by the way. There's yeah. one when you load up the game and then there's elevators in the game. Right. But the thing is, the elevators, I think, are loading screens sometimes. And other times they're literally like there's an elevator in this building because you can still see out in the whole building. 
and you can jump off the ledges onto a lower floor. So one of the main elevators isn't even a loading screen. It's literally just like this building needs an elevator in it. It like structurally makes sense that there would be an elevator here, which is like kind of cool. Yeah, but so past Cyberpunk, because it's kind of all the rant and the rave right now. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Um, We wanted to talk about games that we think almost made it. So some of these might have bugs. Some of these might just be feel like they're missing a feature. Some of these might have just like slightly missed the mark on something. But games that are just about something incredible, but mm-hmm. not quite. Okay, so I've talked about Cyberpunk a lot, so I want you to go first. Okay, uh, so the first game that I kind of put on my list, and this one I know we both played and both kind of have strong feelings about, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, I mean, this game literally isn't finished. This game this game is not finished, and I I hate Shadow of the Colossus because I didn't play it until the PS, like, until playing, playing it on PS4, mm-hmm. like the remastered version. I didn't play it until then, and I wanted to love this game so much, but it's just not quite there. Like, no, it lacks the, depth. The, the world building is like almost there, but like the world building looks incredible and then is empty. And like the combat's a little bit unfinished. And like, why why don't I just have a game that's long enough to grind my stats in the actual game? Why do I have to do multiple playthroughs to get a stat upgrade? Yeah, especially when you have so little enemies in the game. The Colossus, while like a lot of them are kind of cool. Redoing them over and over again sounds like watching paint dry while rubbing aluminum foil on my teeth. Like, it's just not what I want. It's like it's a type like the way the game actually functions, I feel like has a lot of design space available to it. Like, I feel like there's a lot of creative ways to design Colossus and more things that you can do. And then it just ends. And like, barring the fact that it's too short, the ending of that game was incredible. Like, I love the ending of that game. But it's just the game was so close and I want to like it, but I just can't bring myself to. Yeah, like there's times where I've been like, man, I want to go back and get that platinum trophy. And I'm just like, but then I'd have to play the game more. Damn it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's tough when you see a really good idea and then it's just you're like, why can't you just go a little bit further? Just a little bit, which I've got a good one for you. So. The first one I wanted to talk about, which I'm going to now, and I wasn't going to in, until like two days ago when I was thinking about this. It's Death Stranding. Okay. So I think this game's amazing. Obviously, I love Death Stranding. I own it on PC now so we can play it together. They literally just added the thing of, that was missing from the game. So the biggest complaint about that game is human enemies and like the encampments are kind of hard to interact with. Like, Obviously, no spoilers. There's other people in there, right? There's like raiders that try to steal packages. But the problem is, is that the game doesn't em- emphasize combat very well because you, you you can avoid it for the most part. So with Cyberpunk coming out, they took Cyberpunk and pushed it into Death Stranding where there's hacking now and there's more stealth options. And there's actually like a silver hand you can get in the game, which was what the game was missing for me. Like, that's the whole problem with that game is almost like combat was immersion breaking because it felt out of place. And I didn't feel like I had the tools to tackle it in creative ways. And like Death Stranding is a game that 
just needed that little bit of love, just a, mwah, a little bit. And I think they might have just gotten it. So that's definitely something that I think some games can mess with their combat when they have stealth is either stealth is too important or it's not important enough. So you're kind of forced to do one of the two ways and you can't mix and match or play the way you want to. So Death Stranding getting that update, I think, is going to be really big for it. And I'm kind of glad you haven't played it now. Yeah, because now you're actually going to get it where it had that last little like one for me that it needed to hit 10. Yeah, it's really interesting. As I said, I still haven't played it. I own it. It's installed. We'll play it at some point. Oh, yeah, we'll play it soon. (laughs) I'm excited. Okay, do you want the one that you're going to disagree with me on or another one of my other ones? Uh, give me the one you want to disagree on. I want to, I want to get some, I want to get some energy in here. What you got for me? Um, the entire Borderlands series. My balls. Why are you breaking them? Why are you breaking my balls? Borderlands is a game series that's like, I can't even tell you what it is. That's like off about it. Cause I think it's a little bit different for each game, but I felt like all of the games were like a seven in my mind. That could have like a little bit of improvement to be made a nine or a ten. Yeah. And like I just Borderlands 2, because that's like the big one that I've played the most of. Mm-hmm. Like Borderlands 2 was good. But it like first off, side quests in Borderlands are egregious. All of them suck. Oh yeah, they're real shit. I'm gonna give you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Borderlands 2, I felt like was missing a little bit of gun diversity, and like the skill trees were like almost there, but not quite there and like felt like a little bit unrewarding to me, which was fixed in Borderlands 3 because I thought the skill trees and the way that you could develop your character and like spec things was very good in Borderlands 3. But then Borderlands 3 was offset by the menuing not feeling good at all, in my opinion. And like Borderlands 2, Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel had reasonable menuing. But Borderlands 3's is, like, awful and, like, makes me not want to play that game at all. And Borderlands 2 and Borderlands, uh, the pre-sequel, both are, like, really close. And then their boss fights and, like, enemy design is really boring, in my opinion. Like, the enemy design in, like, in shooters, and I think I've noticed this a lot more playing Destiny, I feel like the enemy design in Borderlands is lazy. So much of the enemy design in Borderlands just comes back to the exact same cycle of, like, shoot enemy in head, go next. Shoot enemy in head, go next. And there's very few enemies that break that. Yeah. That's that. That's what sucks about Borderlands 3 is that it had a couple bosses I really liked. And then the rest were like, I don't remember this being in the game. Like, when I went and beat it the second time, I forgot about a bunch of the bosses, but I still remembered the ones I really liked. Like, the big giant tree enemy in 3, where the platform goes on an angle, I'm just like, I'm like, really? We could have been doing something like this the whole time, and you just, like, didn't make your bosses interesting, but this one's so cool. Well, like, we played Borderlands 3 together on release, and, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember it, but, like, even when we come up to the first vault... And you have that fight with that, like, big, like, hulking, like, gorilla-type creature that jumps around the rooms and starts destroying it. Yeah. Like, we hit that fight, and I was like, holy shit, this game's actually going to fix their boss fights, and they're going to be cool and interesting. And then the next boss fight is just, like, a flamethrower boss that's a bullet sponge. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's, like, 
I feel like I didn't have this feeling about Borderlands until I played three, because I think three showed me that they could do all the things that I want them to do, and they just aren't. Yeah. And like even like super unpopular opinion, I actually think my favorite Borderlands game has been pre-sequel. You're forgiven. It's fine. I'll forgive I you. Actually, and I think the, the reason I like pre-sequel the most is because I actually like the playable character options. I think the playable character options are in that game are great. I think the gameplay and the script hurt me. And Borderlands already had a shit script, and they somehow made it worse for pre-sequel, and I just can't. I just can't. That's, it's like playing, I can I can accept that. It's worse than playing Life is Strange 1 for me. It's hella worse. <laughs> you know? No, but like I feel like I feel like Borderlands the reason that it like it it kind of is like disappointing to me is I feel like when you look at all the games, I feel like they've shown that they can do everything. Just no game has done everything. Every game's missing something. And that just like makes me really sad because I, I I want like the Exodia Borderlands game where they get everything right. Well, there's five pieces to Exodia. There's four Borderlands games. Come on. Oh, okay. Oh, We're coming oh, up. Oh, there, oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So Borderlands 3. Okay. So I own this game on both on two platforms with the all the game passes for it. And then I I played Cyberpunk and I'm getting this what I wanted from Borderlands out of that. So I don't know if I'm like gonna go back ever. Because Cyberpunk has some really sweet ass guns. And that's what I was playing Borderlands for is sweet ass guns. If that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of games that have gunplay in them that are, like, the guns are boring. Like, I find Call of Duty's guns boring. And I just, like, don't care. And then, through playing Cyberpunk, I'm like, man, if I just want to play a run-and-gun shooter with a bunch of loot in it and gain levels that are, like, way more interesting than Borderlands, I'm just going to do this. Like, the, like, level progression in Cyberpunk is more dynamic and gameplay-changing than it is in Borderlands 3. So, like, now, now, like, the problems I had with Borderlands are more obvious to me. And I'm going to throw this out here. Hub worlds need to fuck off. I hate the ship in Borderlands 3. That is the worst decision they ever made. It's like five fours for no reason. And it's like a chore to get back and forth in a game about speed and shooting things. It's like, I still love that game. I still think it's like an eight or a nine to me. And then the ship shoots it right in the eight and makes it a four. I hate that ship. I've gone back to try to play the game and I'm like, I just hate walking down a hundred stairs. It's the same thing in destiny. Like I hate how big the tower in destiny is. I get that. It makes sense. Cause it's supposed to be this massive structure, but I hate that one guy you're supposed to visit is on the bottom floor. The other guy's on the top floor and there's three people in the middle. And it feels like I'm running a uh, like a lap in order to hit everybody. But Destiny, Destiny has fixed that now in a roundabout way. With the app? Yeah. Now that you can get bounties from app, you don't have to go to all these people. The, and that shouldn't have needed to be fixed. It just shouldn't have been that shit in the first place. Sure, sure. But it, like they did fix it at this point. Um, No, but like one of the, like, the thing with Borderlands and like I think three was a lot better on this. But I think the game tricks you into thinking it has more gun variety than it does. I don't think the true gun variety and diversity gets good until you've beaten the game two or three times and you can really like get a good loadout. Early on, the guns really aren't that different. 
but like my point is is I think that in Borderlands, which is supposed to have like RNG'd loot and supposed to be like super customizable, tries to distract you from the fact that there's only like realistically like two to three assault rifles and two to three rocket launchers and two to three all those things with just adding a whole bunch of random effects onto them. Whereas like your core gameplay of them doesn't change. Whereas like in contrast, like to contrast that game with destiny, because I think they're they, they do like similar things. Gunplay wise destiny. I feel like I've encountered 10 different assault rifles that all play massively differently. I'm not talking about how they affect, but I'm talking about how I have to play with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that makes it way more interesting where, like, a lot of the times, even when you get the gun in Borderlands that has all the bells and whistles and does does a whole bunch of cool things, you still play with it the exact same way. And, like, even with, like, the um, manufacturer modifiers, like, the, the gun type that, like, explodes on reload, there's no gun where that's actually functional enough to change how you play with it. You still unload your whole clip into a boss and then reload and then unload your whole clip into a boss and then reload the same as you would with any other gun. There's just like theoretical, a little bit of extra damage that comes in. Mm -hmm. See, and I kind of like. I like what they went for in three and then upon playing it more, it just didn't quite hit like I think it should have like switching, uh, switching back and forth on like how the gun shoots the ones that have the, the multifunction, I thought was really cool. But oh, it's yeah. the one manufacturer that does it. And it, and when you get into late in that game, you have to have an elemental build on all your guns. Like, all your guns need to have a different thing for different weaknesses to get through a high-leveled enemies. So at the end of the game, the, it does homogenize a little bit. Some of the guns get a little ridiculous, but the bosses are really extremely bullet spongy. It's true. I'll admit it. And that's, like, that's one thing that in this, like, looter-shooter genre... I feel like Destiny's bosses feel less bullet spongy yeah, than Borderlands do, which is just kind of interesting. But, like, the uh, the switching fire types was really cool, actually. Like, you had the one, like, I know when we were playing that game, I had, like, the pistol that was, like, a water gun slash shock gun. Yeah. And so you had to, like, soak things in water and then shoot them with the shock, and it did a shit ton of damage. And, like, that stuff's cool. Like, that stuff's super interesting. Um... And on the, like, elemental front, I kind of, like, was okay with it because at least it was better than the system in Destiny 2 or in um, Borderlands 2. I don't know if you remember playing true Vault Hunter mode on that game and the fact that you literally couldn't kill anything without Slag. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I remember. And there's just so much stuff in that game that could have been better. And... I don't know. This is this is funny because this is going to keep coming back to Cyberpunk for me for a few of these games. Cyberpunk's guns. There's a gun type in it that you have to have a piece of cyberware in order to use if you pick them up, mm-hmm. which is sick. And like, yeah, if other games like Borderlands had more specific stuff like that, like if we even had class specific weapons, I think that would actually make Borderlands gunplay more interesting. Because then you could tie ability ability changes into weapons the same way that Diablo does it. Like Diablo 3 has... Or Destiny does. Yeah, Destiny does it too. Where it's just like, um, in Diablo, like there is a staff that literally changes the way one of the wizard spells works. It literally changes the entire spell. If in Borderlands you had like a weapon that changed like the way Flax pets work, 
it'd be kind of cool, right? But yeah. And I think I think that game, like one of the things with like Destiny as well, is Destiny becomes really interesting to build across a character because you have your armor and stuff like that, and those stats also affect what guns you want to select and that kind of stuff. Whereas I don't feel like Borderlands ever has that. I don't feel like I'm ever deciding gear in Borderlands based on the other gear I have equipped, if that makes sense. No, that's completely true. I'm always just picking the best item for that slot. Like, it's not like, it's not like, oh, because I'm playing X, I want to also play Y, which is something I really like in games. And one of the reasons that, like, I know both of us have really enjoyed Dungeon Defenders is because that game becomes all about building a set together that functions as one. And I just feel like Borderlands misses, Borderlands misses on that a little bit. Yeah, like my most played game of the last few years is Diablo 3. And that's why I like that game is because armor sets are extremely important. You cannot mm-hmm. play that game at a high level without having proper armor sets set up. And because there's so many individual armor slots, there's so many different combinations. And there's even like the ring that makes your sets need one less piece to get their extra passives, which some builds use and some builds don't. And do you think Borderlands, in theory, would be better if it had armor? I think so. Just to increase diversity? Just like give us like just like obviously like it's not just like any armor is better, but I think armor done well would improve that game. Yeah, it might just be better as, as being a full on RPG. Maybe just like even if it's not full on armor, but like two more different types of inventory slots. But you need to give me you need to give me items that interact between each other. Yeah. Not just items that have flat stats on them and like that that's the thing in like the game always feels the same to play from my perspective. I'll it doesn't that, feel yeah. like I'm changing my build to play the game totally differently. Which is one of the things about Destiny where like even though you don't have like the armor variation in Destiny is pretty low. Like you decide that you want to do this. So then you get to switch like what mods you have equipped and stuff like that, because they all interact very differently. And overall in Borderlands, it's just like put my best weapon on shoot thing. And it like always feels kind of the same. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that, you know, and that's, that's something that I hope that something like Cyberpunk's system helps the guys at Borderlands realized they could do more with what they have. Even like a, a more simple version of cyberware in Borderlands to where like you could change stuff more or armor or something just to give it a little bit more flavor because destiny is just better is a better shooter than Borderlands is at this point. And it's it's, the gaps widening. And I think, I think that games are too scared of giving you unusable equipment. Like, give me equipment that literally partners with another piece of equipment. That would be and sweet. like, like yeah. If I don't have the second piece, I'm hooped. But if I have the second piece, it's insane. Like, do that. I don't give a shit. Like, that's awesome. Like Destiny. Um, I don't think it's that relevant now. But like Year One Destiny, there were two guns. There was the Mida Multi Tool and the Mida Mini Tool, which were a primary and a secondary. The primary was an exotic and the secondary was just like a legendary and they buffed each other. 
That's really cool. So if you if you were using both of them, both of them got stronger. And that's just like, that's really cool. I actually really liked that. Yeah, see, stuff like that's really cool. That's why I think if you played something like, like Diablo and got into it, that's a lot about what that game is, late game. But I've been replaying it on Switch because for some reason I own this on another console now. Um, and all, all my Paragon levels. I'm so sad. But anyhow, like the opening of that game is kind of shit now. Like it oh, doesn't yeah. stand up. Like the story doesn't stand up at all. That game <laughs> getting to like 70 to where you actually start getting Paragon levels and the game matters is kind of shit. <laughs> and I think if you got past that in that game and started seeing the item sets and how much build diversity, how much like you need to actually literally change all your skills based around the armor you found and the weapons. You would actually kind of like that game, I think. You know, that is the nice thing, too, about Destiny, where we're at, is that I'm starting to, like, care about where stuff goes. And in Cyberpunk, with the augments, I'm, I really care about what I'm getting. Because, like I said, the Mantis Blades in that game have changed that game for me. I, like, don't use guns right now very often unless I have to. Which yeah. is kind of fun, you know? Like, I'm just being able to play the way I want. Mm -hmm. And the game's like giving me tools to where like I bought some like $15,000 upgrade in that game. That's just your armor stat goes up by 200. But if you want to play a close range character with those Mantis blades, you need heavy armor because I'm playing the game on very hard. Like I have the difficulty cranked all the way up and it's made that game an RPG S RPG. The game warns you before you start it on that difficulty. They're like, you need to pay attention to what you're doing. Or you're dead. And they mean it. Yeah. Uh, one last point on Borderlands before I feel like we should move on to another one. I feel like matching your set in Borderlands and making sure that like your build works together is less important than it is in God of War. And I feel like that says something about that game. I'm going to 100% agree with that. And that makes me sad. I'm a sad <laughs> panda. <laughs> All right, you have any other? You have another game you want to talk about? I I don't want to hurt you. Do it. Fight me. I don't want to hurt you. Do it. Okay, it's Mario Odyssey. Okay. Like I don't know that game. That game feels like it's artificially big, and it's kind of like ruined that game for me. Like we're almost done the moons, and we just like don't feel like finishing it. Because I'm bored. And it's just like, I feel like you cut the amount of moons in that game in half. It would be more interesting because you could like make the moons more interesting. But there's a lot of repeated mechanics in the moons and all the moons where you have to like leave the planet you're on, go to the other one and come back are the worst form of fetch quest in games. And I don't think they should get a pass because it's Mario. What what moons are you talking about? There's moons where you get the hint thing and then you go to where the hint is and then you and then if you're still trying to full complete a moon, you come back. No, you don't have to come back. But I'm saying that if you find the hint thing and you're like, say you're doing like this by a guide, right? Because we're like, or if you're just trying to do things in a certain order, if you go to get all the moons on one planet, some of the moons on that planet are on a different planet. I mean, sure. Yeah, and it's just like that. That mechanic has like weirded me out. So the, the what you're complaining about is hint art. Yeah, hint art. I Which like hint art. 
there's there's like what one in each world yeah but that means every single world i know i have to go get the hint art and then go leave to go find it and then come back to finish it you know you could have just like taken photos of all of these and then not like yeah I, i don't know i don't know how this is like this much of a source of frustration for you why isn't the hint like, art for the world you're on? That's my biggest thing. Why isn't it? Why isn't the hint art for the planet that you're on? Why is it on a different planet? Because then it would sense? be way easier to track down. Is like the actual game design theory behind it. But like, if you go through, like, say you go through and you want to just go through them like eight, like one to ten or whatever, like just go through the worlds in order. Just take a photo of it, and then when you get to the world that you think it's on, find it. And then go back at it at the end, and you only have to revisit like five worlds for it. Then why do I have to revisit worlds at all? I just don't. I don't like this mechanic. I mean, it's like I don't know. I feel like I feel like every game that has like completionist goals, you have to revisit shit. And like, I don't think that this is any worse than anywhere else. It's just it, it feels weird because there's a few moons like this that are just like weird. There's a lot of the moons too that are just like in the middle of a desert and he's like pound on the ground that just feel like it makes the moons feel less important because a lot of them are really easy to get. Have you not realized that there's a way to track down moons you don't have? What do you mean? Like to where it shows you a list of the moons you're missing? Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I'm just saying that, like, because there's so many of them, they feel less important. My perspective is when I played through that game, I found like 700 of the 880 moons or maybe 750 of the moons like very easily by my own fruition, just playing it through. Yeah. And then at the end, you have the bird that you can talk to that will give you the names of the moons. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the gameplay of having those names functions as puzzles to get the moons. I thought that was really fun. I actually just like really enjoyed that. And like, Hint arts, like, I just, I did the hint arts all at the same time. So when I went to darker side, is it dark side or darker side? When I went to the one that has all the hint, the, like, hint arts on the moon, I just took photos of all of them, opened them up, and then went back and found them all later. Right? Okay, that makes sense. But, you see what I'm saying, though, that, like, I like about half the moons, and the other half just feel like really lame chores. I mean, so why not just not complete the game? I mean, I haven't. No, no, but like, but this is the thing of, and this is what I'd say with all of the Mario games, is I think all of the 3D Marios are worth playing, but not everyone is going to enjoy completing them. Yeah. I, I I don't enjoy completing 64. I've done it. I don't like it. That game's camera. My God. I, I, I love completing Galaxy. Like, Galaxy, I will play through and do all the moons, and I love it. And I enjoyed clearing all the moons in Odyssey, but like, you don't have to get all the moons. What if I want all it the moons? It is an optional thing. <laughs> what, what if I don't want to have fun? What if I just want to hurt myself? <laughs> if you want to get all the moons, then I don't think you get to complain about the moons being time-consuming to get. I wish that the moons were as hard. <laughs> okay, okay, this is going to sound weird. I wish the moons were harder to get a few of them. Or there was less. You know what I mean? Like, when there's so many of them that are superfluous and easy to get, it makes the harder ones... Like, it diminishes to me the enjoyment of getting the harder ones when I've had to go all these little ones because getting a moon itself doesn't feel like an accomplishment. 
as much but as it would. But that's the way the game is accessible. The, the design of that makes the game very accessible to complete and do well for someone who doesn't play video games or a kid. Yeah. Like, there's actually a reason to that. Yeah, like, I think the base game being easy is good. Putting a bunch of random moons in for the completionists that are just busy work and aren't based on skill isn't, like, my jam. Like, the, the, one, the one where you have to do, like, what is it, like, ten long jumps in a row without missing a beat? Like, that's one of my favorite moons. And people hate that thing, but I love it. Like, that, that is so hard to go get that because you have to make a sequence of jumps that are all, like, perfect in a row. And I loved it. Have you done volleyball yet? No, but I did jump rope. Okay. Jump rope was great. <laughs> yeah, jump rope wasn't that bad. Volleyball was the last moon I did in that game. Oh, God. Because, <laughs> yeah, 100 volleyball bounces is a, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. So, so I don't know. I wonder if maybe we're playing this game differently or maybe we just like like different things. I really enjoyed the ending of that game where not knowing like again, not looking anything up, not knowing where any of the moons are, just having the name of the moon to try and track it down was actually fun to me. That makes that, that makes sense. That makes sense, you know. Like, it wasn't that. it wasn't like a complete it for the sake of completing it. It wasn't like I was looking for a platinum trophy. It was like I actually like this system and find it enjoyable to read what the name of this moon is and try to figure out how to get to it and That's where fair. it is. I think that might be what I'm doing wrong is just trying too hard to complete the game and not just like chilling and just yeah, like maybe. But so you have you have another one that you want to talk about, didn't you? I actually still have three more. Ooh, but I don't yeah. know if we want to talk about all of them. OK, uh, hit me. Hit me with one. Let's do this. OK. Um, I'll start with Fable 3. Okay. Have you played Fable 3? Uh, I owned it for like two days. Does that explain anything to you? So what? You, you played it for like three hours, decided you didn't like it and returned it? I was like, meh. And so I know wanted it, so I did tradesies. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> so Fable 3... I am I am a massive sucker for the Fable franchise. I love <laughs> as we know. I love all three <laughs> games. I will not advocate for the quality of Fable 2 and 3, but I will advocate for the quality of 1. And Fable 2. Have you played Fable 2? Yes, I beat Fable 2. I like Fable okay. 2. M my favorite part about Fable 2 is the ending. The fact that you complete the game and it gives you these three choices. And you pick one and the game continues and the choice you pick affects the world if you want to keep doing any of your side quests or anything like that. And the world is actively different depending on which one you picked. I loved that mm -hmm. so much. That was my jam. That was my favorite part about Fable 2. That was really cool. I remember that. And like, it's super simplistic. Again, it's just like, it's one choice. There's only one choice in the game. And Fable 3, I like... I can't explicitly tell you what was bad about Fable 3, if that makes sense. I like, I know that I didn't like it as much as like the first one, but like everything about the game was like good. Like there was no mm. massive glaring issue with it. But <sighs> there's like some weird things with like gear and stuff like that in that game that was a little bit odd and I didn't really like and the magic system wasn't as good as one and two so there are like a whole bunch of issues 
But do you have any reference as to how this game plays out? Because there's basically, I view this game in two halves. Okay. So the first half is your like traditional fable game. So you go through the game and you're in Albion and you're hanging out and you're, um, you are, you're the prince or princess if you choose a girl. Mm. Um, but so the king, who's your brother, um, has started becoming like a crazy tyrant and doing like all this shit and like treating his people like garbage and all this stuff. And so you escape the castle and learn about your hero lineage within like the guild and all that stuff. And because it's like way in the future, like the guild is broken down and heroes don't really exist. So like the actual, you actually encounter the heroes guild from fable one, but it's like underground and totally destroyed. But you can tell that it's the same place, but it's like run down in a ruin. Cause it's like thousands of years later. And so you go through and you start the whole plot line of the first half of the game is you lead a rebellion. Okay. Against uh, your brother. You know, I'm, I think I played this game. <laughs> this is funny. I think I actually played a bit of this game. I think I forgot I played it. I'm like, this sounds really freaking familiar. <laughs> so you start leading a rebellion. And so you have to like, you go around to different factions in Albion. Mm-hmm. And when you like, it's, you're like, it's fairly like traditional in the gameplay. Mm. Like you go around and you go to a faction and then they're like, do this quest for me and we'll support you. And then you do the quest and they're like, you have our support and all this stuff. And so it's fairly like standard and it's like kind of interesting. It's okay. Like, it's not like super awesome or incredible or anything. It's kind of interesting. The world building, I still love Albion and like that stuff's all great. And then at the end of what I would deem the first half is you actually go to um, this other continent and this other country called Aurora. And you ask for their support in the rebellion. And so when you're in Aurora, you encounter this thing. I forget the name, but it's like basically like some sort of like darkness incarnate and they have like shades and stuff. And so you come back and you have the support and then you overthrow the king. Spoilers, game is so many years old, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) So you overthrow the king, and then you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, we're done, the game's over. But it's not. The second half of the game, and this is the part where it came so close to being incredible, you run the kingdom in the second half of this game. See, this is where I think I stopped playing. I think I never got past this part. What happens is you run the kingdom, and then you learn that this darkness that you encountered in Aurora is spreading and is trying to like basically wipe out life on earth or life in Albion. Mm -hmm. And the reason that your brother had been such a shitty person to his subjects is he was trying to make sure that the kingdom had the money and the military force to fight this off and beat it. That's wild. So suddenly you're in his shoes. And then the big portion of the game is you now are the king and people come and table issues to you and you have to choose sides. That sounds sweet. And the part that, like, this part, actually, like, I love it in concept. In execution, it's not great. Because every decision just has two options. And there's the make your citizens happy and lose money option. And piss off your citizens and make money option. And so, like, 
it's unfortunate that it's that, but the concept and the idea of it is sweet because now you're put in this situation where you now have to run the kingdom and make all these decisions. And at the end, there's actually like a day timer. Oh, really? Like as you play through the game, like every night, like if you go to bed, you can also like, you can do all your side quests and do whatever you want during this time. But so whenever you go to bed, it's weird because it like jumps days. But basically you wake up on a day that you have like some someone coming to the court to like for you to make a decision on. And then you can do whatever you want and you can put it off. And then when you go to bed, it'll jump forward some amount of days and then you'll wake back up. And then like the next day that you play in the game will be another day where there's a decision. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this, the invasion happens. And if you've been too nice of a king and don't have enough money the population of Albion gets wiped out. And then the game, like the, the like game story ends. And if you want to go back and still do side quests and finish things, you have to walk through an empty fucking kingdom. Well, all your remaining people who are alive hate you because you let all their loved ones die. That's such a weird concept. That's so interesting. Or like, if you like, or if you go the other way and you like take all the money options, then you have to walk through a kingdom where everyone hates you. It's still full and everyone hates you. There are some ways to cheese it. Um, if you like buy up all the real estate in the game before you finish the first half, you can just push your money into the coffers and get through it fine. So That's there are funny. some ways to cheese it. But the concept is just so cool and I love it. It's amazing. And it's just it's unfortunate that. It had like a way to cheese it and it was like a little bit like some of the like the decisions were all basically the same. You had money and hate your citizens hate you and you had your citizens love you and you lose money. But it's like the concept and the idea was so cool. And once again, with Fable, the fact that the game lets you live with your decision made it so cool to me. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that when you make a decision in a game, it changes something like that and then the game keeps going. That that's really interesting. I want to play this game now. I'm curious. It's like honestly, the game's short. Like if you don't want to do all the side quests, the game is fairly short. Hmm. Um, like it's honestly, it's probably like roughly the same length as Fable One. If oh, okay. you don't do yeah. side quests and stuff, which is like not that long of a game, but it's just like this second section is something I haven't ever seen specifically in an RPG. It's different from, like, you have something like Frostpunk, right? Where, like, you have kind of the same idea. But the thing with Fable is you're a person and you get to walk around and interact in this world. Yeah. And you have to deal with whatever you did because everyone's opinion of you changes. And it's just, it's really cool and I liked it so much. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, why don't you hit me with another one? Okay. Do you, do you have any more you want to talk about, or are we just going to rapid-fire my last two? I want to rapid-fire your last two. I have one I could talk about, but it's not like... I don't think it's a good enough of a game in the first place, so I want to do yours. Okay. Uh, so, my next one is Halo 4. Halo Sad. Did you play much Halo 4? I just... It wasn't my jam. So, Halo 4, I actually played a lot of. And the thing with Halo 4 is... I think that the multiplayer matchmaking was better than three. I think that in the concept of like, cause like suddenly you had like an additional level system and you had like actual like visual customizations to your Spartan. You could like unlock different chess pieces and helmets and all that stuff. And it was, a, there was a lot more diversity and it was a lot more straightforward as had to, how to do it than three was. Yeah. 
Because like three was like you could do it, but it was crazy hard. Like you came across someone with the recon helmet in Halo three and you were like, holy shit, this guy's a god. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like Halo four just like kind of added to that and it was really good. And there was so much about the game that was just like so good. And the campaign flopped. And the multiplayer was like almost there, but because of the exact like details of it, didn't build the community that Halo three did. And it's round up like being really close, but not quite there. Like, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's just like. Almost. Yeah, just 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 a hair. And like it had it had like it was so close to being Halo three again. Like to being the same thing as Halo three was and then wasn't. And like the game's still good. Mm. But it's just, just like it's just a little it's hard. A little short. Yeah. And it's like I, I named Halo four because like Halo five wasn't close in my eyes. Yeah. Whereas Halo 4 was. But it was just a little bit off. And I mean, we'll see how Infinite does. Hopefully, Hopefully we don't get Craig, but... Craig! <laughs> yeah, not a lot to say on that one, just like, close. And my last one is Don't Starve. Ooh, I like this one. I've played this game a bit. I like this. this is good. You play this game? Oh, yeah. So, this game is a game that is, like, right up my alley of games that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, this game checks off all the boxes for the games that I waste my life on. And, like, I love the game in concept. Like, the fact that it's, like, a survival game that's actually, like, hard. And when when Don't Starve Together came out, the fact that you have, like, you can work together and you have a way to revive people, but it still has the same, like, hardcore, the game will end, you will fail type thing that it does in um, the base game, right? Like, you still, like, die, yeah. And the multiplayer version when you said when you have like your settings set up right because you have to like manually revive people. And like the game rewards you for like actually venturing out and like being aggressive and like venturing out and trying to kill enemies versus just that stuff versus just like hiding in your corner, which is the problem with a lot of survival games where like hiding in your corner becomes like the best way to survive and you can't actually do that in Don't Starve, which is kind of cool. And the game just I think the game missed for me. Because I think the inventory management in this game was just a big issue. Yeah, it's not great. And I think I think like most things about this game were really good. And then it was just like really hard to inventory manage. And the game was awful at teaching you how to play. Oh, the game doesn't tell you anything. This this was a game that got like totally like screwed by its lack of tutorial. And I don't think that every game should have a massive tutorial and teach you how to do everything. But the game needed to do a little bit more as to teaching you how to play it. Yeah. To be honest, Hellblade did that too. They actually don't tell you what any of the buttons do. You have to actually look in the manual, like look in configuration to figure out what anything does. It literally tells you nothing. See, like, and that's weird. Like I'm all for things where like games where you have a complicated, like high level thing that you like kind of figure out on your own or like you get to like experiment with things and figure it out. But when, like, the base mechanics of your game feel unintuitive and you don't teach them to me is where I start having an issue. And that, that's what Don't Starve was for me, where I loved a lot about that game, but it just felt a little bit off and as such, like, didn't quite hit the mark. Yeah. That game, that game was a little off for me. I feel like it was close. I think that's something I would definitely want a second person 
You know, like don't starve together sounds much better to me than don't starve. But it is it's just missing a little bit where it's like, well, why am I not just playing Minecraft on like hardcore or something? <laughs> now, I do have one more game. I just thought of okay. it. And I think it's something we can both speak on pretty good. It's a good ender. Remnant from the ashes. Ooh, why did we not talk Remnant. about this yet? We played this game really why recently. Didn't we talk about this. It just came to my head. I'm like. Why have we talked about Remnant? We love this game and hate it at the same time for the end game. Yeah. That game needs yeah. like. The game needs a little little something. Blizzard needs to call them up and be like, by the way, you need an end game. Something needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, that game like that game has kind of the like Borderlands issue where it doesn't have anything like to me compelling to do. Yeah, where it's like I can do the same thing I've done over and over again and get like marginally stronger each time. Yeah, and it sucks, too, because I actually think the world of that game is really cool. Oh, I yeah. actually got super interested in the story and I was like, this is fun. And then like the guns were starting to get really diverse. And I'm like, this is sweet. And then I realized there's not a lot of equipment in this game. Full stop. And I'm like, are we done already and then then the game was like oh yeah you're done yeah and as i understand if you replay the game there's new bosses and like it's procedural every single time but so what i have no i'm I'm not working towards anything yeah and i think this is something that like even we talked about it uh with ratchet and clank but like if you like give me a big bad yeah like destiny has like Master Nightfall strikes that you can work towards or like raids that you can work towards. And those are like big things at the end that like incentivize this grind. And like. That's that's super good. And wow, wow builds itself around raiding in Mythic Plus, which is like your incentive to continue doing what you're doing. And like this game, like Remnant I wish that I had wanted to play it more because I actually loved the game and the fact that it just had a whole bunch of traits that didn't scale infinitely because I'm not the biggest fan of infinite scaling, but actually like had an endpoint that felt like it was going to take a long time to get to was sweet. Yeah, I was surprised. But then there was just nothing. Yeah, I was surprised when we reached the last boss. It wasn't too bad. Like we died a few times, but it wasn't too bad. And I was like, this is the last boss. Like, I feel like the games finally opened up that last little bit. And then it just stopped. That honestly felt like a halfway point to me. And it, like. It, and like, I understand you can re-roll everything, but why do I want to re-roll it? I want more. I want more new. And yeah, the DLCs apparently are not like crazy long and don't add like a ton. So. I'm kind of glad it was low investment to get into it. I really enjoyed my time with it, but it's it's like a seven and a half. Yeah, but I feel like it could have been a nine very easily if we just got a little bit more added to it. That like that is a game that needs Remnant 2 to come out really bad. Right? Yeah. Because if they tell me that, hey, we learned some stuff, we're adding more to the game. There's an end goal now. There's like, say, there's stuff that you actually need somebody else to help you with. Probably that'd be sweet. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. And even though like Diablo doesn't have Diablo has infinite scaling, I still love the challenge of getting to the next level of a rift to where like in that game when you get into the 
the really hardcore rifts in it, they all have levels that go up and up and up and up and the rewards get better, but the difficulty spikes like super hard. I still like having that grind to work towards where in like Remnant, there's nothing else to really do that would be different and harder. So yeah, it just, it just didn't do it for me. I really like that game though. I think it's worth playing if you want to throw like 15, 20 bucks at the game. I think it's worth 15, 20 bucks to play through that campaign easy. I think it might've been free at one point on Epic. It was. And it's just like that. That game's really good, but it just it's not great. It's just really good, yeah. but it's not great. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. And then there's, you know, there's other games that just constantly disappoint me, like Dungeon Defenders Awakened is still broken as all hell. <sighs> that one's tough. That one's tough for us. That one's. Yeah. That one's really hard. That one's like watching your kid go out and do crack. <laughs> You're just like, no, not like this. <laughs> yeah, I was I was so excited to have Dungeon Defenders with new content that was going to be like hard and punishing and being able to do it like on the curve yeah. when it came out. But I, I just. I can't do that game no. with the way it is right now. It's just and it doesn't it doesn't look like the things that I'm having issues with have plans to be fixed. No, it's just so unfortunate. It really is games like that. A game like that could be like amazing and be exactly what you and me would enjoy doing. But as of right now, it's just, it's still just a broken mess. That is an alpha yeah. release at best. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like the UI needs a, the, the like menuing and everything still just needs a ton of development. Into yeah, it. like item comparisons are still broken. The menus are still broken. You still have like skin, like frames that like drop down to like 10 in the foreground. No matter what you do with PC settings, this is like the way the game's programmed. It's awful. Like, why would you ever buy that game right now when like just buying Dungeon Defenders plus all DLC is the same price? Yeah, like the original Defender, Dungeon Defenders is still better, and that game is, you know, over a decade old. Because yeah, what it's 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 thirty four dollars for Awakened. It's just unreal. I'm curious, what is Dungeon Defenders? Oh, Dungeon Defenders plus all DLC is fifty six. So it is a, it is more, but it's also but like, like ten times longer and better. Yeah. So and like base game plus attorney of shards is 30, which that like base game plus attorney of shards gives you a ton of gameplay. Like if you want to oh, beat yeah. that on Mythic, a lot of a lot of like the extra maps are free, too. Yeah. And there's right? still like all the and user like, created stuff. Yeah. Which is like just a metric ton of that. Yeah. This game, Dungeon Fenders is a game that didn't fail on the end game grind. Nope. That game's incredible. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to cover on this topic? No, I think I think that's pretty much it. Okay, so like, I don't think. So there's nothing more on this. So I want to do a thing here at the end and I'm going to jump this on you. Okay, I want a couple minutes of like light spoiler cyberpunkness and tag it on the end here so people don't have to skip because I hate it when podcasts do that where they're like, this game came out a week ago. Just skip ahead. So it's like at this point. If you want to leave, I okay. don't think we have anything else crazy to talk about, right? Uh, but before we get to this, okay, quick, okay, non-video game, so mm -hmm. like TV show, movie, or book, okay, that you have the same feeling towards, so close but so far. Ooh, 
Okay, do you have one ready? Because I'm going to think about this for a second. I have one. Okay, go for it. I actually, I have two. Um, Game of Thrones. Shot Game fired. of Thrones should have been the best TV show of all time. And it shouldn't have been close. It should have been the best TV show of all time. And it should have stayed that way for like another 40 years. And instead they gave us the travesty that was season eight. Rest in peace, season eight. <laughs> like, that show should have been the best TV show of all time. And it's just not. And, like, season eight was so bad, I don't even recommend people to watch that show anymore. Fair. But the rest of the show is great. Season seven's, like, meh. But, like, seasons one through six are some of the best TV out there. The ending's just so bad. I'm glad I never got into it. I honestly like if you can accept leaving a story unfinished and just want to watch the first six seasons show is really good. Oh, yeah. But if like if you're someone who needs to, to get your like story finished, don't 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 start it. It's it's really it's really sad. Yeah, I kind of glad I never got into Game of Thrones because like it just seems, you know, it's been a little rough. Um. So thinking, thinking about this. Okay, so I've got I've got one that's recent memory. It, okay. Final Space season two. Okay. I I really like Final Space. I think that show's really cool. I think the lore of it's really good. I think season one was just fun. It had a really kind of cool, interesting background, but it's still kind of like a space comedy. Season two has just one character that needs to get erased off the face of the earth. Because he's just like where they put all the random out of place dick jokes. Yeah. And there's so many of them that don't need to be in the show. <laughs> it's like there's this really cool thing going on. And like Final Space is really interesting. Like with the concept of what Final Space is in that show. And the the overarching enemy in season two is amazing. And all the emotional stuff going on with his with his mother in that show in season two was really good. And then you put this stupid little wormy shithead in there. It just keeps making these stupid jokes that I feel like the concept of the show is above the level where those jokes are. And it just like pulls the show down, you know, like and those kind of jokes just don't feel like they belong in the show. Like they've made jokes in mm. the first season there were more like random indoendo jokes or something like that right like they were still they were still there but they weren't like straight up juvenile fourth graders on a playground jokes like they did in Which season is two what a lot of that felt like yeah yeah and it and it hurts because i think season two is epic but it's like no i i really liked it i thought it was really good too yeah it's just but it just all the emotional weight and the overall story of season two gets pulled down by that and it's it's unfortunate because I, I really like final space but i'm hoping season three they kind of knock that off especially because you know spoilers that character <laughs> might not be around for it so thank god so did you have anything else in that one no I, I i don't think so i i have like a couple other things that i could mention but like a lot of them are just tv shows that ended poorly but why bring any of them up? Because none of them ended as badly as Game of Thrones did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even. 
Yeah, there's definitely a few shows like that too that I was like, this could have been a little bit more like like one of the last seasons of True Blood was really bad, but it's like I still like that show. Forgive me, I know. Forgive me, I like True Blood. Don't hurt me. <laughs> you know? Well, like even like the ending of How I Met Your Mother, the ending of Dexter. Ending How I Met Your Mother was really obvious. If anyone got blindsided by that, they weren't watching the show very hard. Well, it was really obvious, but like, no, no, not not even that, but like. I wanted half a season with the mom in the show. Yeah. I think that would have made that show great. Yeah. Have you just extended it? The fact that it's one episode, I don't like. Fair. Because she's really cool. I get it. It didn't surprise me. I just don't like it. Yeah. So, shall we move on to where I just get to, like, talk about things sure. for a reason? Cyberpunk talk. Go. Okay. So, for, for people that, like, don't care about light spoilers, but, like, maybe need a little bit more to get enticed, this is not really any storyline spoilers outside of when the title card shows up. So, this is, like, five hours in at most. So, this is, like, literally, title card shows up, this is the first side quest afterwards, and then the second side quest afterwards that the game prompts you to go do. That you can totally skip. So, one... There's a there's a cutscene. I mean, there's a side quest in this game revolving around the AI taxi cabs that run throughout the city, and the lead AI calls you over to come help him. And this is where you recover your car. So it's right at the beginning of the game. This side quest is so interesting because they made a side quest for you to drive around the entire city that made sense. So you're basically you're trying to get these renegade cabs whose AI is broken back to the taxi company. And how you do it is by getting into proximity with them so that the lead AI can hack into them and bring them back. Each car is having a different issue. So the first car you come across is suicidal. Like it's depressed and is driving towards a cliff and says, I don't you know, I don't understand the point of being here anymore. And just like keeps driving closer to the cliff and you have to talk it down from trying to kill itself. And then like another car you get is having anxiety about all the crowds in night city and how it can't stand the crowds anymore. And it's out in the Hills driving around a roundabout in a circle. And you actually have to get into the car and obey the rules of the road in order to get it back. Cause if you go over the speed limit. It yells at you. There's another car that tricks you into like a back alley while you're chasing it. And like a bunch of Raiders come out and try to kill you. And you have to, like, fight them off in order to, like, capture the car. There's another car that's having this entire existential crisis about, like, the, the existence of everything and, like, whether any of this is real and everything. And he's out in the middle of a scrapyard by itself. So the game does a really cool job of sending you on, like, this really boring quest. Usually you would have in a game where it's just trying to show you the map, but makes it interesting. And, like, you continue doing side quests with the cab company that stem from this from like the AI virus that's happening that's screwing all these cabs up, comes up more later and more quests later, which is really cool. I haven't actually done those ones yet, but I think that's a really cool piece of game design. And that shows how much these side quests are very similar to Witcher 3, to where the side quests are interesting and feel like they could have just been in the main game, where a lot of side quests feel like very much a side quest. Like it's like somebody boiled green beans and put them on a plate. Next to the, like this turkey they spent 15 hours on. That's what most side quests feel like in games. Where this just feels like, no, this is some fancy ass green beans. You've got some Parmesan on those things. <laughs> it's like it's like your mashed potatoes or your Brussels sprouts, the things that actually go with that meal. Yeah, exactly. But somebody like, you know, cooks some bacon with those Brussels sprouts. They give a little bit more love, you know. Or that gravy yeah. was a little bit extra time was spent on it, you know. 
And the other big one is there's there's a lot on, in this game for people that are going to possibly play it. There's a lot of very serious subjects about like like sex trafficking, drug abuse, depression, or like big things about this game. So anyone that's saying that this game is for a Chad game for Chads didn't play it. Like there's literally a reviewer out there for a very big YouTube channel that I'm not going to like attack straight on. But I you know who you are. You didn't play the game. Don't lie to me. Like there's a guy who just says the whole entire game's fetch quests. He didn't play the game. It's really obvious he did not play the game. They're like the way he talked about it and it like bugged me actively because he he didn't. There's a side quest in this game that's a funeral. At the very beginning of the game for somebody who passes away, it's like half an hour of tall of dialogue and like looking through his stuff with his girlfriend, trying to find something to leave at this memorial. And you get to hear about the background of this character and like you look at all the objects in his apartment and you get like background from his girlfriend. You kind of help her through her grief. You attend the funeral. There's dialogue options at the memorial and how you want to speak about him. And you can just like hang around in the memorial area and talk to his friends and family for the sake of just doing it, which I think is incredible. Like that scene got me a little bit. I felt a little emotional. So anyone that's saying this game is shallow and doesn't have anything to it is not being truthful. And it's obvious some people didn't actually play this game. And when people say, hey, I'm level 15, so I like have like all these opinions on this game and I beat the whole entire game and blah, 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 blah. If you beat this game and you're level 15, you played it on very easy. You ignored every side quest, ran through the finish line and ignored all the good stuff in the game. So like my big advisory for the game is don't rush the storyline. No spoilers. If you rush the storyline, your game's ending will be worse. Like that's something that's actively being told by the people that actually played the game and spent time with it. They're like, if you rush the storyline, the story changes and you get like this heinous ending because you rush through the game. So it's one of the one of those games where you need to sit back, enjoy yourself. Don't worry about beating the game right away. I've completed 80 side quests now. And I'm like just having a good time. And I finally walked back to the main story because I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if I go into story mode mode if I like get a little bit more background to this side quest. There's a side quest I want to progress, so I went back to the main story. It's not that the main story is bad. It's just, I just care about the people in the game in a way I didn't think I was going to. Because, like, for instance, the one, one girl in the game, who I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but the one girl in the game, Judy, is insanely well acted. That voice actress needs, like, a raise. Because I am locked in to whatever Judy needs. Judy calls me up on the cell phone. She's like, gotta come over. Something's happening. I left a side quest I was doing to go to Judy's house. I was just like, dip, I'm out. I fucked this side quest. I Judy needs help, damn it. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> I haven't felt an emotional connection like that to like a character in a like in a in a game in like a long time. Like, I think since the um the worker in the mine in Hollow Knight that slowly like starts losing their mind was the last time I was just like, no, no, dude, no. my heart. You can't just, you can't just drop that on me. <laughs> oh, like, like this game is, is, is a straight up nine out of 10. If you can play it, if you can play it properly, I hundred percent endorse it. But I just wanted to talk about a few of those things that like, I didn't want to like, you know, ruin stuff for people unless they had a fair warning. And also there's a guy you get to kill in this game. 
They did some heinous stuff, and I really liked the game let me cut the dialogue off by cutting his damn head off. He was just talking, he started talking trash about my girl, whipped out the man displays and cut his head off. And I was just like, I love this game. I love this game. <laughs> let me get revenge as soon as I wanted it. <laughs> I appreciate it. But that's about all, all I wanted to say. I just want to let people know that, like, don't don't trust everything you hear from some outlets, especially some that actually have a significant following. I think IGN's reviewer, the initial reviewer, played the game a lot. He's also very critical of a lot of games like this, and I think his review, to me, matches what you'll, your PC experience will be if you have a decent PC. So I would go with that. The people that gave it fives and fours are just... They're, they're just doing it for the sake of doing it because it's clicks. Bring it to get views. As soon as they get clicks and views. The IGN review is a very honest review. And I want to give another shout out to that review. There's a second review for that game on IGN that gives it a three or a four. It's the PS4 Xbox review. They separated the reviews and they said, this is the PC review. This is the last gen review. And the reviewed two reviewed it twice. That's the way that I think was a really good way to approach this. So I like appreciated that a lot. So yeah. if you're looking for a full on review about somebody who's like put a little bit more time into it, that's a really good one. But and like I and I agree with that review. It's a nine out of ten. The game's amazing. Just make sure you can actually play it first. Yeah. Well, you want to actually leave now? Yeah, I think that's all good. Yeah, I think it's all good. You know, find us on, you know, your old social medias. Tell your friends about this. Tell them that Cyberpunk's great and a bunch of nerds talked about a bunch of games that, like, were more incomplete than Cyberpunk was. You know, it's great. And <laughs> <laughs> sweet, Matt. Well, until next time, which I'm sure, you know, we're just not going to miss a week here. You know? Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not missing a week ever. We're doing this, doing this till I die. <laughs> 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 well, until next time.